Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. You look an awful sprite this morning. What's going on? I know. I've had a very productive morning. So How, how did that happen? Well, you got to get up early, I guess. Ah, I don't know. Early bird getting the worm. <laughs> I like that. Well, we have got a, a really special guest today. We're, and I've been excited to, to have this conversation for a long time, and we're looking forward to it. So i just like to do a little introduction. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to Miguel Leal, a fellow entrepreneur who is the godfather of Mexican cheese. For all of us who think cheese should not only be a food group, but also be entitled to its own food pyramid, this is going to be a great discussion. Once he conquered the cheese world, he decided to get into real estate and hit the food industry at the start of the food chain. Of course, this would mean becoming an organic farmer to educate and help farmers capitalize on the demand for organic food. The organic production of our food can be profitable and sustainable if managed properly. They say you can take the boy out of the country, but you cannot take the country out of the boy, hence Miguel returning to his roots. When he's not tending to his farm, he has a side gig of breeding and developing a dog that is related to the Dogo Argentino to become a better hunting, search, and rescue and guard dog. Thanks, Will, for being on our show. Thank you very much for inviting me to your show. It, it was the cheese that got us. As soon as right. we knew you were the, the godfather of the cheese, uh, that's pretty much my food group for lunch and dinner. So you're in. Oh, I, I love cheese. I started I start creating my... When I came to the United States, I used to start getting the niche of the Mexican market. And it wasn't nobody that much, that many people in here making cheese. And I started having a new recipes and start pushing myself to, to have the right recipes in the United States. And it's how I created the Mexican, the Mexican cheese. Well, and... Go ahead. I was going to say, well, let's talk about cheese. There's literally a gazillion types of cheese, especially Mexican cheeses. So I looked a little bit, and how do you how did you choose? I how do you pronounce a cochita cheese, not queso fresco, queso angelo, or queso exada? How do, how do you know which one, and how did you invent by, a new one? By the way, it took him at least two days to look up pronunciations on all those cheese to try to get it correct. And so, I, and I cannot <laughs> speak English, let alone Spanish. So I'm doing the best I can. So I appreciate that. <laughs> The first one you say the cotija cheese. Cotija, okay. Cotija cheese is a hard cheese. It's a dry cheese. That one is used a topping cheese, and that is the first cheese that I started to make it here in the United States with the Amish people giving me the opportunity. That's my first factory, and when I started, when I started in Ohio, and the Amish give me they have most of it, the quality of the milk because they milk by hand. And they kind of like do more stuff like in Mexico, and the milk is more similar. Uh, United States have grade A milk and grade A B milk, and that one the Amish use grade B milk for make cotija cheese, and it really age 
perfectly and the milk was perfect and it's a pretty good hard product. Looks like a Parmesan cheese. That's how we use it, Mexican people to for tapping food. Did you, in, did you invent this cheese or was it something you just perfected the recipe to what you wanted to make it look like? I perfect the recipe because this cheese is original for Cotija. Cotija is a, is a name of a town and the state of Michoacán too. And that, is, that cheese is original from that, from that area. And I tried to, to make it and duplicate it the most close I could here in the United States with the Amish milk. And it works perfectly. So we do have a lot of listeners in Ohio, obviously, because we're from Ohio. So where exactly did this all start in Ohio? Just curious. And yeah, this one started in Middlefield, Ohio. Okay. How about that? Really small town. The only, it was only buggies and Amish people. <laughs> tell you yeah they 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 keep it all tight in there they own all the land they do it a certain way and they they just thrive in that environment it's great and and again i think you're right on that the 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 personal attention to livestock and attention that detail with the human touch not industrialized really makes a difference not only the animal but also the how you get the product from a to b so i think that's probably a a big factor in in your cheese it is it is and mexico is the most ethnic, the most, uh, they have a, I would say the industrial cheese already changed the recipe, changed the taste of it too much. It's some, mm-hmm. some of them, they put the so far vegetable oils and mix it and twist the flavor of the, of the really original cheese. And it's how the industry just changed for more profit, but lose of it, the originality of the product. I would agree with that statement by saying, you know, when you try a food product of what you're used to that the store gives you from the big mega complex, right? And then you try a homemade or homegrown one, it is night and day. And I, it's, how, I don't know how you get the word out to people to give the ability to get that choice, right? And I think that's what your probably mission was at, at, at a bit there to, to get a quality product back to make people understand this is really good stuff. Exactly. Because a lot of people, they try to just make a lot of more profit and they kind of like a lose the originality of the product. You know, they try to cheap it out and they try to kind of like skip one corner to make a little bit more profit. And that's how the products start changing flavors. Do you, is your farm back in Mexico is here in the States? I am Mexico. I'm back and forth in both places. Okay. Because one of those things, you know, like in the States, I don't know what's like in Mexico, but in the States, like you, you have to buy like Roundup beans by Monsanto. You can't just go plant a different kind of bean. Like they make you do it. Is that like out in Mexico? Can you get off the grid and just produce any type of, you know, vegetable that you want? Or do you have to use the Megaplex, you know, genetically modified product? No, it's everything. It's just the most natural on it. Awesome. And, and it's my farm is a small farm. That is help the community because it's see you eat healthy people they fried everything on it and most of it they put a lot of fertilizer that they don't belong on it things like that that it really the more healthy you are and the more fresh food do you eat is much eat much healthy for your body and and that is how i try to pass it to everybody 
try to do it. And that's why I think we both agree, Julie and I, that cheese definitely should be a food group on its own because it's really, really good. And I think it's good for you, even though they say it's not, but I, I love it. <laughs> so one of the cool things we like to talk about is, you know, the, the journey of an entrepreneur, how one gets from A to B. And obviously, I think you were said you were born in Mexico. Whereabouts? Yeah, I did born in Mexico in Irapuato, Guanajuato. It's complicated. Irapuato. Yeah. I-R-P-U-T-O. <laughs> Where's that located near? It's right in the middle of the country. And it's pretty far from the border. But I, yeah. So there you are. You're, you're born, born out in Mexico, hanging out, doing your thing. You got a bunch of brothers and sisters and you guys, like everybody else with a big family, everybody pitches in and you're trying to make it work. And then all of a sudden you have this opportunity, right? And you chose yes to come to the U.S. I think it was an internship or a, or what kind of thing was that? Well, it put me really, all of them, all my brothers, they came, even if we came from the same mother and the same father. I mean, nobody had the guts really to come and jump and, and jump their new adventure to come to the United States. It takes a lot of guts to oh, do boy. that. And and soon as for to do that, soon as you decided, you focus on what you want to do. And I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. I just be focused totally to get to achieve my goals. How how um, old were you when you came into the U.S. then? Nineteen years old. Nineteen. Okay. And what do you think and, the driving force behind you being so focused was? Well, well, I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> And That's the second one is for love. I did it for love because I promised to my girlfriend that I was going to make it and I want to make a family. And to have my, to achieve my ideas, to, to realize my ideas and make it conquer, they make it happen and push me to take the adrenaline to go and jump my fears. Because they, you scare for everything on it when you don't speak the language. And you by yourself and you don't have any people to lean on and realize that you by yourself you make a mistake you drink too much or you get loose if you party too much you don't have nobody and then pretty soon you don't save your money you don't eat and that is what i make me change so yeah i think you said you you're 19 so you have an opportunity to come to uh come to wisconsin i think right and to work in a factory? Yes, I did. I was we came, I was working in Mexico too in a cheese factory. And it was exchange of technology that too. The whole combined things. Why you're supposed to come here to United States to teach uh, how to make Mexican cheese and I supposed to learn how to make the American cheese. And I was supposed to change the, the technology. But everything happens and I stay here. I show them and how to make the cheese, but they decided the factory that I was working on it, they decided to make feta cheese. They changed the route and I learned how to make all kinds of cheese. And then I go back to Mexico and start making some American cheese there. Did you, how many years did you work in the factory in Mexico to gain your experience before you then came to Wisconsin? Well, as soon as I was, I started from high school, but I don't know what happened. I got something, uh, nature probably in me that I understand 
most of it, all the equipment pretty easy and all the make me easy to understand everything in the cheese business and was very happy for me. But I, I only have one year in Mexico learning. And my experience started when I came to the United States and I start when I really started learning how to make uh, cheese, really. So it's it's interesting about that is is you still at that point didn't know that you were going to be an entrepreneur. You just knew that you had opportunities to learn more, meet new people, do different things. So you kept saying yes, correct? It's correct. And I was one thing that I was doing is when I couldn't speak, really life gave me the opportunity to understand what is patience to have. That way you can catch the old opportunities that you have. And it's why life gives you the opportunities to you can grab it. It means if you don't take it, you don't see it. It's because probably you have too many girlfriends <laughs> or drinking too much, party too much, or get excited and get out of focus to get your goals. You know, it's funny you said something that is, is uh, it just, again, I look at weird stuff, but like, the fact that you said you had to be patient and for whatever reason, when you don't speak a language and people don't speak your language, they talk louder and more intense and you still don't understand it, but it gets, it escalates the conversation more where people are like, Whoa, but you were able to tone that down and just like, all right, I'll figure this out. And how did you navigate? How long did it take you where you could say effectively communicate to not only help the people that you're supposed to help, but be able to glean what people are trying to teach you at the same time. Did that take six months, a year, 10 years? How long did it take you feel like, all right, now I can finally do this communication barrier? Really, I do have a, a disability problems to, to learn because I cannot read pretty good. And really the experience of life, the university of life, that is, that is why it took me experience. To, to start learning and pay attention and be correct myself all the time. And I didn't want to waste it. I didn't want to waste my time um, doing something that even scared me of putting my life in risk. I had too many things that I didn't have any people behind me. My parents was gone. Um, I have for three years, nobody talked to me, nobody called me, nobody said anything. Doesn't matter what, but is is complicated in that part when you don't have support. You need to have very good concentration in yourself, and you have to be very aggressive in the opportunities of life that they give you to you. You have to really take it, and the, that is how the patient it is. Because pretty soon it happens to a lot of people that as soon as they start making a little bit of money, the first thing they buy is his ego to buy nice cars and getting dead and you have another one you want to show up with your girlfriend, et cetera, et cetera. And I need to be focused to save money and to think your goals. Yeah. And your, yeah. That's the American dream. Make some money. So you can buy some toys. Uh, that's what we do. Yeah. And we're good. And we leverage ourselves to the hilt to do those types of things. You know, it's but at the right time. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's the patient. Use your passive income to buy those things. It's, it's funny. The, you know, entrepreneurs get from A to B Sometimes they got to go through, they go through the formal schooling and sometimes they go through the street smarts, right? They got to figure it out in the real life. And I think that's the route you took, right? Where you just have to figure it out. You didn't do the formal education thing because it wasn't applicable what you're trying to accomplish. Is that a fair statement? It is a fair statement. Yeah. And 
So our listeners, it doesn't matter how you get there. Um, you just got to believe in yourself and you got to take the chance, take the risk and, and go for it and stay incredibly focused. Is that what you get out of that, Julie, so far? Yeah, I loved his, you know, you have to be aggressive with the opportunities you're given. Mm-hmm. You got to lean into that fear of, you know, what if and just see what happens. So so here you are, you're, you're in Wisconsin, building some cheese, learning some things, teaching some things. And then you're saying, you know what? I think I can build a better cheese. And- how long did you work for a factory, for that company, before you're like, the heck with this, I want to do it my own way? Well, as soon as I, the, the life gave me the opportunity in that time to win the win a contest with the Amish people. And that was my first factory that I built. I had, Because they didn't believe in the electricity, and that put me in, the, <laughs> in a better spot because all the cheese factories <laughs> runs with electricity. And well, they code sign, and uh, I start buying the equipment and all that kind of, they put a lot of help for me and they build the factory to our standards there that I was looking for. And that was my first really home run, win that test, win that, it was in the newspaper, the Amish people, they was looking for a cheese maker. That was the cheese contest. And I compete with five different co- people in the United States. and. Here it goes. The Amish choose me. And Wemo, that was the first home run that I did. Okay. So you said, look, I'm just tinkering like you're a home brewery guy. You just tweak, tinkering with your, uh, whatever you put in the, the bacterias and the cultures and whatever. And you're like, I'm going to build my cheese and you're going to enter this contest. So you enter the contest, you win it. And they, the Amish then partner with you to help you build a factory with no electricity. Well, they put electricity, but they cannot touch it because Correct. it's their beliefs. <laughs> were they hardcore Amish? Were they Mennonites? Or were they, do you know which one they were? No they electric- were German Amish. Okay, so they they can't touch it all. So then they're like, we'll build this thing for you. You guys, and you they can work in there, correct? Did they work in their factory yeah. with you? They just couldn't yeah, touch they, the electric stuff. Yep, they can own it. And they give me the opportunity. So this is even funnier. So here we go. We're going to go compete with Megacorp and build cheese. And we're going to do it with the Amish with no electricity and put even more restrictions on how we do it. But this guy, he's like, I got it. We can make this work. So that's, that's, that's amazing. He's right. Never give up with your idea. No. I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. All right. So now we're making this cheese now and we got a great market for this. And then you just, you built, did you intend to... I think at some point you exited the business, but I think at some point you're building this cheese and you're trying to expand and grow and grow and you're kind of like doing business. And then at some point you probably transition from you building the cheese and doing everything A to Z to like, I'm going to now build a company and the company's going to do this. And I'm just kind of like supervising it. How long did it take you from actually building it yourself to transitioning to having a company kind of run without you? Well, the company it didn't run without me, and uh, is why the I did. Me and my my ex-wife, we kind of like a divided the work. I put all the trust in her. That way, she can help me in the in the account, in the bank, and all the paperwork and all that. And for me, I had to run in the factory, running the recipes completely good. That doesn't move, doesn't change. They're always the same, and pick up the sales 
and pick up the organize all the shipments and all that stuff. That was for me quite a bit of, of working on it. And that is how we, we do it. We split the responsibilities and we help each other quite a bit. How many employees did you have at the time when you end up exiting the company? How many people were working for you? Uh, 400. Oh my. And you were still in the day-to-day when you, when you left the company? Well, and the, always in, in the cheese factory, most of it. And the sales parts, when I start pushing the sales, then I start getting training people for sale to help me sell. And, and my, most of it, my strongest, it was in the factory. And the cheese plant. And can we still get this cheese today? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So is is the uh, the cheese recipe secret? Is it like locked up, like the Coca Cola recipe or the KFC recipe? Do you have this locked in somewhere, or did you retain that and sell the operations and lease it back? You don't have to answer. I was just curious. Do you sell lock, stock, and barrel? Because I think it said somewhere that you still consult with them and still are involved a little bit. Um, you, did you retain those recipes or did you, did you get rid of that as well? Oh, I did. Sigma Alimentos bought me and I sold the recipes. I sold equipment, everything. There. Lock, stock, and barrel. And, put, and then I went to work with them for a while. And they have a cheese factories all over the world. And they gave me the responsibility for that. And I was excited. So it was kind of probably neat to be an original, you know, work for a company, then build your own, then sell it, then work for the company that bought your company to ensure their success. And that obviously helps with payouts and all those things were nice. Do you still tinker in the cheese making business? Do you still tinker with some recipes? And is that something you'd build and sell to them again? Or is that something you just keep in your own back pocket? No, I'm working out with the University of Wisconsin. That we want to develop to try to standardize it, the recipe of Mexican cheese. That way, I mean, as I'm doing, I will do some experiments and some different techniques to put really science behind the Mexican cheese to develop uh, the more flavors on it. Because now they doing the market goes so big, and they doing changing with vegetable oils. And it started like at the big factory, start changing the flavors on it. And that is what I stand up my hand and say, that's not the way to go. And I have to get the support with the university to help me out to put a standard. And that is what we're going for. So do they and still use your recipe or have they changed it? They did some, they did some changes. Big people, they want some fast money, mm-hmm. more money, more money. That's how it goes for it. Well, once your non-compete goes down, you'll build another factory. It'll be great. We'll do the uh, Pennsylvania Amish this time and do it, make it work. <laughs> do you, uh, so I, I'm a big uh, cheese curd fan as well, and I love Wisconsin cheese curds, fried, whatever. And I just had some the other night. And my question is on this Mexican cheese that you make, is there a, and again, I know nothing about how you make this cheese. Is there a, is there a cheese curd component before it gets pressed into cheese that you can eat these curds as well? Do they taste the similar or... Is that not the case for this type of cheese? Oh, yes. But Mexican cheese have to, different, uh, I can divide it in two different ways. It's melting cheese and cheese that doesn't melt. Uh, like uh, the, ta- the cheese that you're talking is panela cheese. You can cube it, you can fry it, you can do a lot of things on it. You can put anything. It takes, it doesn't melt and it takes, 
take the flavor of the food that you mix it with. It tastes real good too. It give you a little tiny bite of uh, dairy product. Mm. And the cotija cheese, those kind of cheese are more like Parmesan or kind of like a hard cheese. But very strong flavor. Man, I need some cheese right now. I'm real hungry now. <laughs> I'm, I'm envisioning what I'm going to eat crazy. for lunch. Oh, goodness. Now, you know, on you know, the, we like the the entrepreneurs that listen to this is, you know, it's again, it's like, how does one get started? What are the challenges they face? And again, it's really hard to beat, you know, language. You don't speak the language. You, you have to use, uh, you know, Amish to help you do this thing. You can't do the shortcut. You got to stay diligently on this thing. So it's a great journey there. At what time, at what point, why did you decide to exit the company versus to continue stay owning the company. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Like, do I keep milking this thing and make it an annuity and just put the people in and I'm just act kind of involved? Or you know what? I want to exit and do something totally different. Uh, how did you come to that decision? No pun intended with the milking it. Yes. Yes. Well, I, you like physical. And, and my, in that time, uh, physical takes a lot of capacity, takes a lot out of you. And I, I was kind of like a running low in oil. <laughs> I mean, I started getting, my view was start getting blittery and I couldn't see that well. And well, I built all that and I, I really want to enjoy it too, you know, because I didn't want to die in that position because it's so much, I, I was feeling so much responsibility. Then I start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and start many more families on it then my limit to work is is pretty strong and push me my limits so much then my health start getting a little bit wild and i understood it better sell and work in a slow pace but efficient too so basically the health said look your body's telling you you can't do this it's not sustainable um did you feel I like so yes did you feel like um you know a lot of Come, a lot of factories, they'll give some like allowance that lets the employees like you can take a pound of cheese a day or unlimited cheese while you're working. Did you guys have anything like that? Because I, I would eat a lot of cheese if I worked in a cheese factory. I'm, wor yeah. I'm worried Glenn's applying to go work in this I, cheese factory I, I after mean, we're done. I probably would. <laughs> I, yeah, we did. We eat cheese in, in our house. I, I teach my kids to, to start cooking different recipes and we did a lot of new stuff on it. To, to do that. It's, I love it. I did love cheese. So, you know, when you exit, you know, one of our questions we'd like to ask is, you know, the end game as an entrepreneur. So you kind of got out, you, you built the thing, you did the whole thing with the cheese thing and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, it's a little bit too much. I can't enjoy my quality of life. So I'm going to exit the business, mm -hmm. but you didn't stop because most entrepreneurs don't have an end game, right? They don't just stop. You're doing something else. So you're, working with the University of Wisconsin to develop uh, consistency in the cheese. You're, you're breeding some dogs. You're doing some organic farming. Um, is there any other businesses that you're doing? Instead of just doing one, you're doing like at least three that I know of so far. How, how many more do you have in the pipeline? That's it. I, mean, I got to <laughs> <put> in <laughs> with those. I got to make all those happen. And this is what I got to take. I cannot take too many bites and everything. I got to concentrate it. And, and, and finish it what I start. I don't like to change ideas and finish and create more stuff. I like to finish one of them and I like to do it. So do, you, 
Do you think you'll ever start another company? Um, maybe making a different kind of cheese or getting back to your original recipe of cheese? Yeah, I think so. It is going to happen. Is for me, I'm, we working with the university. It put me in in a new step for me because it's a new goal and achievement that I have to put the standard of the identity in the product. That is a tough to do, mm-hmm. and for me, it's more exciting. And I never want to quit. Really, if I quit, I'm dead already. I uh, concurred. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with your life? You're work, used to working 27 hours a day, and all of a sudden you stop. That that sounds horrible. Uh, did you end up getting dual citizenship, or or how did you manage that so you could travel back and forth freely and do your thing? Yeah, no, I'm American and Mexican citizens. Okay, perfect. That makes yeah, it no illegal. Gotcha. I can, no problem for that. <laughs> how did you end up in Chicago? After my divorce, and I started getting everything ready, and I, I, st- I moved to Chicago. That was a big part of it. It's why I took a little break, because at that part of it, after we built a factory so big and a company so nice, and my, my disillusion was too bad. I had to make a break. It took me like a six or seven years for me to breathe again. You know, mm-hmm. start feel good because I put all my trust in everything in her, and I realized it that I took me forever to catch up. You and know how it start. You know that's it. how it starts. You you got to trust and empower the people around you, and either it works out well or it doesn't. But the sooner you do that, the sooner you know. And sometimes you don't know till it's late, too late. But guess what? You'll always rise to the top and figure it out as an entrepreneur because. There's always somebody ready to stick it to you. And you just try to defend as much as possible, but you still got to keep going, right? You have to. You never, you never give up. And most of it, you have to prove yourself that really your ideas work for you. It doesn't work for somebody else. Because I put all my heart and all my efforts to my ex-wife. It's no good idea for that. You need to have your own independent. You cannot give too much. You lose your concentration to achieve your goals. That's what happened to me. Well, you live and learn, and you know what? You hope it never happens to you again, but you never know. Probably we will, because guys are like that. We'll do whatever. So it's all, it's all, that's all good. Um, how you know? On a on a side note, you know, the entrepreneurial journey. You always got your your iron in another fire and doing whatever. Which of these things that you're doing gives you the most excitement? It sounds like the research at Wisconsin is probably the best uh, that's giving you the most excitement but the 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 dog thing has got me really intrigued because that's you know that takes a long time to get it to build a new breed that does what you want and of course uh, you know as a farmer myself or grew up as one or kind of one i I love that kind of stuff so which one relaxes you and which one gives you the energy that's a good question both i mean most of it all the projects that i choose on it i try to every one of them to develop my idea to work. And if, if my idea work and he's, and he's doing something good, that is what it makes me feel my adrenaline to keep going, pushing, to get some benefit with hurting nobody and, and to create a new things on it. Like my dog, I just look at it in Mexico have three kinds of dogs, Chihuahua dogs, a wolf dog, 
and a dog with no hair. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't. It's no. why I don't on my own. I know it takes 20 years, but so what <laughs> time I got? What else are you going to do, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I saw some pictures of these dogs. They're, they're, they're pretty impressive. I mean, when you're hunting uh, pumas, and, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the deal. Like the deal, the, the personality of the dog is what, I, what intrigued me so much because they are so loyal and so, so focused in, in, his, in what they want to hunt that they don't even have a feeling. They don't even care. I mean, they get blind, forget the, what they want to do. Have you ever gone hunting with one of these dogs just for fun? Was it yes, awesome? I, it was awesome. Do you, use ho- do you do horseback and follow behind, or how do you do that? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You're speaking my language. <laughs> pretty, not- I'm pretty sure Glenn's coming to your new cheese factory to work. He's also going to come help you hunting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they <We> should- <laughs> Oh, man, that sounds like a, a hoot. So, you know, Julie always has a big question about some, you know, whatever the super thing might be. And, and she loves asking this one. So go ahead. So what do you think your superpower is? I think you've alluded to it quite a bit, but I, how would you define it? My power? Your superpower. So if we put a cape on you, what would your superpower be? Honesty. Devotion. Dedication. Um. All those, those are powerful things. Probably staying true to who you are, I think, is a big one as well, right? You didn't get corrupted. Yeah, you didn't get corrupted by the big corporate machine. Yeah. More or less those. So, and I have one more question, even though you, or I might have more, but, you know, we've defined that there's no end game for you. But what is your next move? Obviously you're working with the university of Wisconsin. You've got the dog thing. You've got the farm thing going. And I know you may say that's enough, but I know there's something else rattling up there that's maybe hasn't quite come to fruition, but it's in there. What is your, what's your next move? We'll keep it a secret. (laughs) My next move is to learn really to be happy, to live the moment and to live the, the day by day. Because I don't want to have my head thinking in the future. I already learned from the past. And this takes me forever to focus and concentrate it in the present. That is my next achievement that I try to put on it. Enjoy more life like anything has happened. And would you, and again, it's, it's funny when you're an entrepreneur, you're so all in, you know, 27 hours a day, nonstop, just getting pummeled, you know, Everybody needs something that they look forward to that takes them out of that moment, even for just a little bit to relax. You know, what is that thing for you? I mean, at the time, obviously you didn't do anything like that because you were in the, in the schnizzle, but now, you know, is it, do you go to relax on the farm? Is it to relax going on a hunt? Uh, Is it to watch a football game, a soccer game? What is it that you do to actually relax and kind of just get away from it just for a moment? Shooting. Nice. Skeet shooting? I, like I did shoot in the Sporting Place Association mm-hmm. and I was doing pretty good. And I miss it. Sometimes that, that is uh, the uh, time to relax me in my farm. I shoot place there and relax me, put me in another emotion pot. Are you an over-under guy or are you a semi-auto or how do you? Oh, over-under. Okay, gotcha. You like the kick. All right. Um, you know, it's, it is interesting that, um, 
you know, some people say that if you're not out hustling, you're getting behind. And other people say that when you can stop and pause and regroup your thoughts, you're going to come back stronger. After going through what you've gone through, do you feel like if you would have put a little more downtime to recharge, you think you would have had a different result with the cheese operations or there was just no opportunity for that? Well, I think so. Life put me in the position that is, is directed me for my best of me. I think so. In, and now I, I am my best health. I, am, I have a lot of experience. And my destiny is probably they want to have a good recipe of cheese. Yes. <laughs> because I am in the best time of me in thinking. And life prepared me for these moments. But really, I never expected that I was university. I was going to be in university. And I put in a new recipe, totally complete, like the people have to follow up. That way, doesn't, people doesn't cheat. I mean, that is for me, it's a, it's a leave my name way on top of it. You know, it's, and, the, the legacy, I think, is important to you, correct? It's not it's really about the money. I know when I'm dead, all the money that I have is doesn't take it. I cannot take it with me. I know how to live it here. I have to learn how to live it here to leave my name longer. Nice. It's, it's uh, again, you... You go from where you had to sneak in and sleep on the floor on some cardboard to work in the factory to figure things out. And next thing you know, you got 400 people working toward a common goal. I mean, that's just awesome. Um, so that this is an obscure question, but are, do you feel safer in Chicago or in Mexico with, uh, with the way things go these days? Or do you not even care? You're, you don't worry about that. I really am very low-key person. Um, material things uh, doesn't bother me too much, and I, I I'm not looking for nothing. I, I just lucky. I don't get trouble. I just go in this place. I go to Mexico. I don't mess with nobody, and follow up, and that's it. Do your thing. Well, it sounds like yeah. it's working very well. Um, Got anything else, Jill? I think no. we went through a whole lineage. This is a, a great story, and uh, really, really appreciate you being on the show. If would you, uh, you want any plugs for anything that you, our listeners might want to go look you up and maybe get engaged on the things that you're doing these days? Yeah, I mean, they can follow me on Instagram and the cheese guy, uh, the cheese guy, success. Sorry, and it's an Instagram and then. The cheese of the house build.com is my webpage. And so will you contact us when you're ready to start your new cheese business? Cause I, I wanna I wanna a, revisit that with you. I wanna be a taster. Oh. Yeah. Let's go for it and make a good round, I show you. <laughs> awesome. I'm big on the quality control, but I like doctoring the recipe. I, I'm I'm more of a cook than a baker. I like to like mix it up. But in your line of work, it really has to be precise because there is a lot of chemical reactions going on, right? You have to do it a certain way, a certain time, a certain amounts, right? It's not just throwing it into a pot. So I might not be a good cheese maker, but I'm a good cheese eater. Yeah, we'll make sure it's safe. <laughs> awesome. Well, really appreciate you being on the show and uh, wish you the best in your future endeavors. And uh, thanks again. Yes, thank you. What a great story. Awesome, Julie. Well, that, I'm, I'm going to get me some cheese for, for lunch for sure. I know. Uh, and again, all you, all our listeners, Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast, I appreciate you spending some time with us today and uh, looking forward to the next time. This is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. We'll see you all later.
At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.